You're listening to Create Wealth Through Franchising, and I'm your host, Kim Daly. In my 20 years as a franchise consultant, I've helped hundreds of people achieve their dreams of building and scaling franchise businesses to create wealth. The interview you're about to hear can also be found on my YouTube channel, where I post new franchising content multiple times per week. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and to my YouTube channel at kimdaily.tv. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Kim Daily TV. Today I have a daily double for you. (laughs) My good friend, my longtime friend, Eric Van Horn is in the studio with me today. Eric, welcome back to Kim Daily TV. Kim, it's always fun to be on Kim Daily TV with the Kim Daily. <laughs> well, guys, you we have an episode in store for you today. So this guy, he knows franchising from all sides, right? He knows single unit, multi-unit, area developer, franchisor. I mean, he's even been a consultant. He's tried it all. I'm not going to say he has ADD. He can tell you that. I'm just going to say he's an entrepreneur and he loves to like try new things and then figure it out and then he moves on. He gets bored. So he had ha- he's had an awesome success with a brand called Sola. I mean, he's had success with a lot of different brands, but I really wanted to bring him on into the studio to talk about his experience in selecting a franchise, like what does he look for? What are the criteria of the business when he's thinking about his next move? And who does he bring into the project? How does he select the people? Does he start with the end in mind, like this particular business, I think he built to 12 locations or so, and then he sold it. So Eric, let's dive into the conversation right there. When you decided, okay, I'm going to invest in this awesome salon suite concept. And number one, you, you live in like South Dakota or something and you did it in California. So for people out there who, you know, they think they have to do it in their backyard. They, you know, I just think you have a, you're a wealth of knowledge and I just want like my viewers to get more of Eric Van Horn. So start at the beginning. Like, how did you pick Salon Suites and Sola. So yeah, this will be fun. And this will be like, like what really happened and come full circle with Sola. So uh, I, I love this and I love talking ab- about this, uh, this whole kind of full circle with Sola. And we did buy 12 locations and we got those up and going and we had a, an eight figure exit on that business, which was fantastic. But it took five years to do that. And in the beginning, I met the founders at a conference that you were probably at in Arizona about 10 years ago. And, you know, being around like you and the people that you have access to, like we had access to the founders and we were sitting at the bar the night before the conference was going to get started. And I knew that this was a very interesting concept and I wanted to get to know these founders. So that's exactly what I did. I was asking them question after question after question. And they had another drink and another drink and another drink. So I got a lot of really good information. And well, at the same time, Stratton used to like to drink. <laughs> yes, yes. Matt and Stratton, they yeah, they're they're known to be hanging out at the bar. Um, and I didn't know that at the time, but it was very valuable for me to get some good info. This is an information that like we have insider privy to as a candidate in an active investigation you would have access to exactly the same information. 
perhaps not at a bar, but through the course of your due diligence, you would get the information to the, the answers to the questions. I'm sure that this is not insider information that was exclusive to Eric Van Horn and nobody else could get access to. It was me knowing the good questions to ask, how to ask them, how to frame them. And, you know, because I, I learned from people like you, Kim. So, you know, you just need to know the right questions to ask and whether it's, you know, can't uh, like, franchisees or the franchisors, the founders or the corporate staff, like you just need to know, you just need to ask them the right questions. The environment for me was this convention conference at the bar. That was the environment, but the questions are the same that anybody else could ask. At the same time I was asking these questions, I was texting what would be my future business partners. One of them was a friend and already a current business partner. The other one, uh, two were not business partners of mine, but I had known them and we'd grown up in the same franchise together uh, previously. So I was texting them saying, hey, I'm asking these founders some really good questions. And they were giving me more questions to ask. And by the end of that, I'm like, you know, spending some time with the founders, I thought, you know what, this is a really interesting brand. And so it intrigued us enough to start to go through the, the normal, typical sales process of a of a franchisor but i did it with my business partners and we decided at that time to buy this together so we formed the partnership and talked about everything that a partnership entails and then we decided on how many units to buy and we ended up buying 12 territories um, at the beginning with the plan to open up 12 of those or more um, that was like, if things go really well, if they go really bad, we'll open up three of them and lick our wounds. If things go okay, we'll probably open up six and sell the rest. So that's kind of the foundation. We met them. We met the founders. We went through the normal due diligence process and we had a plan to buy 12 locations in the Orange County market in Southern California. And why did you pick Orange County? For me, I wanted to be a part of a brand uh, that is in a larger population base. I mean, we're not going to open up 12 solo salons in Spearfish, South Dakota, population of 10,000 people. So that was <laughs> not going to happen. Um, and so I chose that Southern California market because that's where two, uh, one of my business partners lived and the other ones were close by. And it was a large market. So I thought, you know what? If another brand comes up, I want to be able to open up in LA or San Diego or you know, if, if Orange County was already sold out. So it was kind of strategic from that standpoint to have a number of businesses in California. And that was before I realized California is a horrible place to do business. For, for <laughs> It's not as friendly as South Dakota, but it turned out really well for us. But that's the real reason, Kim, is I wanted the opportunity to expand into different brands. So being a guy that lives in out of state, I wanted to go to a market where if there's some hot brands, I could continue to buy it in that general area if it's sold out in my particular market. Hey, Daily Coach fans, if this franchise sounds like a fit for you, I would love to be your Daily Coach. Email me right now for a totally free consultation at inquire at kimdaily.tv. The particular model that you invested in, Solo Salons, doesn't, it's, it, for those of you who don't know, it's a salon suite, which means it doesn't, it doesn't have any employees or if, if any one. Few employees. So Eric, tell, to speak, speak a little bit to the model. Um, and, the, and then let's talk about like the day-to-day -day operation. So you're in Spearfish, your partner's there, who's kind of overseeing and how do you create a growth plan to build out 
three or E6 or ultimately 12 when each unit of this particular business was such a big investment? Do you have all that cash up front or are you taking that cash as you grow? So we did not have all that cash up front. And that's why, we, you know, I could have done it on my own and done one or two, or we could do it in a group of partners where uh, where we could do more and figure things out and be uh, stronger together than, than on our own. We decided to do 12 locations. So we did not have enough money for 12. And SBA was financing at the time. Here's the thing, like, you go in with a plan and your plan's going to have to adjust at different times, whether it's COVID, whether it's a recession, whether the housing market's going crazy or it's going down, there's always things that are outside of your control. But our plan that we had was let's go in, we're gonna use SBA to finance number one and two, and then three and four, and all the way to 12. Well, what happened, we funded one and two with SBA, and then SBA came back and said, hey, we're not gonna do number three because SBA thinks it's too passive of a business model, so we don't do passive business models. Now we're like, oh, okay, now what do we do? We use Apple Pie Capital, which is kind of like private investor. It's not hard money lending by any means, but it's not as inexpensive as SBA or traditional lending. So we did that for location three, maybe location number four. And then we had some private banks. There's two banks that were starting to loan uh, to the Salon Suite concept, specifically Sola. So we refinanced out of, uh, of those Apple Pie Capital loans. I think we even refinanced the SBA loans and we developed location after location between two different banks. And banking relationships were key. Like you need to understand how the bankers think. You need to have that personal relationship with them. And, um, and we were always trying to um, be ahead of the game with that because it is, it's expensive. You know, you're fronting a million dollars a location. And, and we didn't have those kind of deep pockets back then to be able to, you know, fund three or four of them cash on our own if we wanted to. Did you hear what he said back then after his eight figure exit? Okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, wink. wink. <laughs> Kim, I have, just to be clear, I have billions in the bank right now. <laughs> billions in the bank of right course. now. And you're humoring me by being a guest on my show today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you recognize. <laughs> I definitely recognize your amazingness, Eric Van Horn. Okay, so I think another question I had asked you when I went for the daily the daily double question was tell us tell the viewers what a salon suite is. Let's define that because a lot of people may not realize. You but you we would go in and we would take seven thousand square feet of retail space, like think about next to a Whole Foods or a Target anchored center. We'd take kind of the worst. 7,000 square feet in the particular center. And then we would spend about a million dollars and we would demo the place. We would put in 50 or 40 individual suites for salon professionals. Think estheticians, hairstylists, you know, massage therapists, and, and anybody that you would find in a yeah, nail technicians or nail artists or whatever you want to say, makeup, uh, makeup people, whatever it is that you find in a, in a, in a salon, uh, you find in a sola. He owned it. I know the words, but he owned it, guys. He made the money. Yeah. So we'd have 40 individual suites and we would rent those out on a, we get paid every week and we would rent them under one to two year contracts to all the salon professionals. And they, typically they would have a book of business already. So they, uh, they would leave a traditional salon, come there, be their own, be their own boss, have their own business. And it was an easy entry for them to go from working from somebody to having their own business. So that 
in a nutshell, is what the Salon Suite concept is all about. And I'll say this too. I was a solo salon franchisee. There's other salon franchises out there, and I have friends, good friends, that own other salon suite concepts, and they're really good too. So it's not just Sola that is really right. good. The others, some are not so good. Others are really good. Kim, I'm, I'm obsessed really with this ones. model. My my followers, my my candidates know um, if you can afford a salon suite, you're probably going to get it in your mix because. I mean, who doesn't want a business with these characteristics? It's basically like being the landlord of a mall where all of your tenants are business owners and you collect rent. So you have predictable cash flow, you know, and as long as you're a good landlord, right? These people, they're, they're running a business. So it's not like they're flighty. Were, were they Were they relatively, I'm sure you have your one-offs, but relatively long-term renters for you? Yeah, they're typically one to two, but they were under one to two year contracts. And then if you're a good landlord, like any good landlord, they're not, they don't want to leave. And so the key to that business is just being attentive to your customers who are your tenants and taking care of them and having the right boundaries in place. So we, we didn't have a whole lot of turnover and we had a really solid occupancy. And like one of the best things about the model is the labor model. Like we had, we had a, a district operational manager that oversaw um, uh, like a full-time painting handyman type person at oversaw uh, three different leasing uh, leasing team members and then one like bookkeeper that did everything for us from an accounting standpoint that was the, that was the team right and 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 that's really because of the size of his operation for the average salon suite owner going in operating one two or three units you might not even have all of that right no very, you don't have a full no you outsource everything it's like you could I know people that own now and it's just them. It's a really good, right. good business that doesn't take a lot of time. I um, always tell people that my salon suite owners are my happiest franchisees and my best referral sources. People will call me and say, I want Tim's life because I met him on the golf course and he's always playing golf and he talks about this franchise that he owns, but like he's never working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, well, you got enough money. <laughs> it's true. And I've seen, you know, through the pandemic, I know my salon suite owners and Gerald and Heather and, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they were expanding, they were growing and it's, an, and yeah. they're, they have the, the, the coolest lifestyle too. So like I have good friends that own my salon suites and I know how that is such a, it's a, like, my Salon Suites and Sola were our solid, solid, uh, solid concepts. And so I love it when a brand, when franchisees continue to expand and continue to grow, that's always a good sign. It's always a good sign. Reinvest in your money. And really just this side note, then we're going to come back to your story. I mean, during the pandemic, we watched these companies move out of these big spaces. So the landlords were incredibly generous with build out and TI money, right? To the salon suite franchisees coming in. And, and legitimately, the salon suite is the answer to a pandemic in the beauty world because you're taking these professionals out of a big salon with where maybe they're, you know, working with 10 or 15 other people and all of their clients. And you're bringing them into a one-to-one -one environment where they can control that environment, the cleanliness of that and sanitize that, keeping it safe for them and their clients. So we we saw the salon suite world grow through 2020, unlike some other, um, some other franchise opportunities. Let's go back to your story. So let's talk about this partnership. So you knew 
I know you were, at, when I first met you, you were with Liberty Tax, right? Way, 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 way back in the day. And I know a lot of your close friends kind of come from like your, your early days at Liberty Tax. So you found this group of people, like how did that partnership come together? Because people will ask me, you know, Kim, should I do this in a partnership? And I'm always like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you enter a partnership and now you you're not the boss anymore. Like you're doing this to be in control and now you're sort of surrendering control. So tell me your philosophy and and how you picked the partners and did it end up being a good thing? Were there some rocky times? There were, there's, there's usually rocky times in all partnerships. And if you have it laid out beforehand, those rocky times are just, you, you expect them, you know, and, and there's a framework to work through, uh, challenges and disagreements and different philosophies and life changes and you know so you just have to have a really good operating agreement beforehand um and and that's just in, in general with sola um we had the same mindset we did not none of the partners wanted to work in the business we didn't want to be franchisees that were active in the business and so we start so that was we were aligned on the outcome from the beginning we didn't want to be active in the business. So we started the business and we were all more active than we wanted to be. Like we all were diving into the lease, two first two leases. We were like, you know, taking phone calls and doing all the things we said we didn't want to do. Because we hired a junior level district operational manager and paid him like 60 grand a year in Southern California 10 years ago. And we're like, you know, this is a disaster. Like we, they weren't, they weren't the quality that we wanted. So we were two, two locations into it, getting ready to open up our second location. And we're like, this isn't going to work. So the partners looked, looked at each other and we said, what should we do? Would we pay someone $30,000 out of our own pocket to take away all these decisions, all these calls that we're on, all the work that we're doing? And everyone's like, yeah, we would pay $30,000 just to get rid of that, that, uh, collectively pain. 30 from each collectively. Of yeah yep. each of us so it's 120 grand so we're like well then let's you know hire somebody for 120 and they'll be the district operational manager that's really good and so we went through a three to four month period of finding the right person and we're very um uh focused on that and we came out hiring a guy named Mirko and he came from the leasing background property management management background and the end of the day that's what this is this isn't we were hiring beauty professionals like salon owner or like former salon managers to be the manager and it wasn't the right fit so we hired Mirko. he's used to dealing with landlords he's used to do, dealing with attorneys he's used to dealing with with cpas he's used to doing all of that stuff <clears throat> so we hired him and like our our lives changed like he was doing it all we went from reviewing these leases with the attorneys all the time to getting an executive summary and him saying, hey, this is where we are. This is what we've negotiated. Any questions, any suggestions? And once a week, we'd be in a meeting and he just kept making good decision after good decision. We kept giving him more and more leeway to where at the end of the day, we'd meet once a year face to face and we would have meetings once a, once a week for like an hour. And we would, we would say like, oh my gosh, we should give him some equity. We should pay him more. We should do something because he's too good. He's too smart. Like he's, he's, he's not going to stick around as a district operational manager for us. And then we got an email. Hey guys, I need to talk to you about something. And we all just got into a text thread. Me, Dan, John, Ryan. We're like, 
this is it. Like he knows <laughs> now how good he really is. We're in trouble. And, um, and he said, Hey, I love working for you guys, but I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to open up my own Sola in a different market. So I'm not competing against you guys, but you know, it's been fun. Um, I'm out of here. He didn't quite say it like that because he because we had a really good relationship with him. He's like, I will do whatever you guys need me to do to stay on however long to help you through the transition. And it was at that time when Sola was um, um, we were getting some pressure from them to develop faster than what we felt comfortable developing. And so we quickly executed another three territories. So now we had 15 territories and we were in the process of building out store number 11 and store number 12. They weren't built out, they were in the process of it. So we went to them, we're like, hey, we love Sola, we wanna buy more um, and give us a, I think it was one or two year uh, rights to continue to develop the market exclusively. And they said, sure, here you go. And knowing that we were getting pressure from them, but we wanted, we knew that we either wanted to double down with them or sell. And so the conversation was, hey, we either want to continue to grow really fast with you and how can we work on that together? Or if you see a better fit for this market for yourselves and to grow with a number of franchisees in this market, then you know, we'd be open to a conversation of you buying us out. And that's where that that's how we approached that conversation. And they said, actually, you know, we would like to consider buying you out because we think we can put a kajillion solo salons in uh, in your little market of Orange County. And we're like, OK, let's 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 talk about selling it. And that's where the that was the beginning of that uh, long sales process to sell to private equity. The franchisor initiated kind of pushed you into that position to sell it because they knew they could divide the market up way you know further but ultimately you sold the business to private equity not to the franchisor or the franchisor was backed by private equity the franchisor and we did we had a hint at the time but we didn't know it was in the process of selling to private equity i got it and so we were originally going to be selling to the franchisor but they knew <laughs> that we were really that we are eventually going to sell to private equity uh, so the, uh, the, the, the transaction was announced, Sola sold to private equity. We were now had the buyer as the private equity company that bought. And so then it was just even a deeper dive into our financials and this, that, and the other. And Mirko did all of that. He did all of that. And here's another kind of important point along those lines, Kim. We set up the business, you know, from location number two to 12 with Mirko at the, at the head Founders not involved, so private equity comes in. Uh, they could say, "Okay, these guys aren't actively involved in the business, so the books were really clean." Knowing that we weren't actively involved with it, they knew Mirko would stick around for six months to, you know, on on retainer to help them through the transition, and they had somebody else that was going to take his place because these people were used to being managed by an employee, not by the owner. So we built it to sell. We built it for lifestyle. And then building it to lifestyle is also building to sell. And yeah. so we had a, we, the enterprise value of that, of that uh, company was higher because we paid Mirko a little bit more than, than, uh, than we were paying the junior level guy. And, and we made a lot more money because of it. And we had a much better lifestyle because of that. All of right. us partners did. Right. So, yep, we eventually sold out to that same private equity company. And, and I just had some conversations with that same company a couple couple weeks ago in a, in a, at, a, at an event. So it's kind of fun to come full circle with that. 
Hey, Daily Coach fans, if you're inspired by this conversation, I invite you to email me right now to explore this franchise opportunity. My email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. What's next for you? Like, I, I know you've already moved on and you're doing many other things, but in the beginning of this call, you mentioned you're raising some money to go do another multi-store play. Like, you're just, that's kind of your thing now? You Are you looking to replicate, like build, raise some money, build, and then flip it? I, you know this about me, Kim. My family and lifestyle is more important than having more zeros in the bank account. Like, I love making memories of my family. I'm a family man with businesses, not a businessman with a family. Like that's at the core of who I am. So I've gotten a lot clearer in recent years on aligning with people that are aligned with that vision. And, and some opportunities I've let go, some um, because there wasn't alignment there. And, and I've been at the place where I was hustling and working really hard. So I'm a fan of that and I've done that and that's necessary at different times but I've just chosen to uh, not have extra zeros and have more time with, with my family. And it might be just for a season. I don't know. I take it, I take it uh, you know, a year at a time. But right now, I love passive investing. I love investing in cash flow deals. And, and I do a lot of different deals outside of the franchising world. I've learned a lot about passive in, investing. I've made some really good decisions there that have uh, had a fantastic impact on my, uh, you know, my bank account and just how I how I'm able to live life. But I've also seen how that is not really um, normal in the franchising world. So an example of that is I've got a couple friends. I got a business, current business partner of mine now. We're very much aligned. We see see, see things the same way. We have two other friends that are in a business, a franchise that is successful, meaning they are making money in their locations. They are breaking even in one to two months. They um, they know what they're going to make year number one in cash flow, year number two, year number three, because they've done it a handful of times and they're on the inside of the brand. So they know that this isn't just a unicorn story of a couple franchisees doing really well. So we're in the process of securing about 12 locations in that franchise brand as a franchisee entity. And they know Eric doesn't want to work in this thing very much at all. So I will help raise money. I will help make introductions. I will help with those types of things. And, and they want to get the lifestyle that I have. And so we're aligned with that. And so if they didn't want my lifestyle and they wanted more equity, they wanted to continue to hustle, they would get more equity as a result of that. They do want my lifestyle, so we're going to pay them um, per location as a management fee. So that way they can be making really good money for each location while they're providing that service. But also, if they decide to step out and have more lifestyle, they can hire somebody and, you know, at a two, three, four hundred thousand dollar position to go and do their role that they were doing. So there's just there's got to be alignment. So we're and and with that one, we're looking at doing a friends and family raise. There's different ways to raise money, but we're going to be doing this one through friends and family. That way I'm not putting in probably more than 10 percent of the of the total capital. Um, my risk is really limited. The operational people will have more risk in the deal, meaning signing on leases, signing on franchise agreements and things like that. But I want to see more of that in franchising because a lot of people want to get into franchising and they don't have the opportunity to um, to actually own or they want to take a step. And maybe some of the people invest in something like that. And then they were like, oh, I want to do this on my own because you will make more money doing it yourself 
than you will being a passive investor in anything. Franchisees will make more money in this particular brand just doing it themselves with one location than being a passive investor. So that's happening. I'm an advisor to different franchise brands out there, like Dirty Dough Cookies is probably the one that's the most well-known. Bennett over there, I'm an advisor, I have equity, it's one of my portfolio brands, and I really enjoy having um, advisory shares, advisory services to brands like that. And then, you know, over at this other group that I'm a part of, we're getting much deeper into advisory, strategic advisory, down into the weeds to help brands really uh, grow smart and avoid the mistakes. But that's putting our time and attention into the brand. It's me and a, and a couple guys that you know, and I don't know how much we want to get into that. Maybe that's uh, for a later day. But I'm just having a lot of fun, Kim. Having a lot of fun doing what I enjoy. It's awesome. You know, the best thing you said is that I, I want to say it the way you said it. I'm a family man who owns businesses, not a businessman who has a family. Like, I want to end on that note because that is what I'm selling all day long, right? Whether you're doing it by yourself or you're doing it, you know, doing it, investing in a franchise for your own future or in a partnership, the idea is that you're setting up your life for full control. That's what Eric has done. He's created a way through multiple steps. He didn't just get to this level. He started at a different level. He's like he said, he's hustled. He's done the work. He's figured it out. And now he's surrounded by people and he has the money to be able to put himself in a position where he's in play, but it's not his time. It's just his money. If this story has inspired you, you're ready to take the first step or the next step and you think that it is a franchise investment, you know that I would love to be your daily coach. Please follow the email on the screen right now or email me directly at inquire at kimdaily.tv. Eric, thank you so much for being our special guest here today at Kim Daily TV. Thanks, Kim. You're the best. To the rest of you, I'll see you next time on the next episode. If you found this inspiring, please contact me at inquire at kimdaily.tv. My consulting services are totally free to you. Again, that email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. I can't wait to hear from you.